2: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers The Score, the Score celebrates 30 years WSCR and HD Chicago WBMX HD2 Chicago We are Sports Radio 670 The Score Chicago's voice of the fan for 30 years And Odyssey Station The Score And I'm
3: welcoming and shouting out all the haters Now I'm not talking about mine though they exist If there's two people that you'd want to listen to about this I'm telling you right now It's us because because we're going to be raw and uncut
2: That's my best friend, that's my best friend and now it's Gabe Ramirez. There's a
3: chance that, and right, here's the optimist in me, and that Cole Komet is gonna continue to get better and be a okay. weapon for Justin Fields. And
2: now, Anthony Heron.
4: I do think there's a lack of separation that's there with uh, from Cole Komet running routes, but I would not personally compare him to Frankenstein. He's far more mobile and athletic than that.
2: Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 the score at 670thescore.com. Now let me, brother.
4: We are
3: live and local. Broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Just like my guy Rick Party said, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, here till 9 o'clock. And I know you're at home right now.
4: What do you keep the the temperature on? What's your AC on right now? It's hot. It's hot as hell, man. <laughs> um, so it, it varies a bit throughout the day. We got these, these big you know, gaping windows in, in the front of our place. And so when the sun, especially this point in the day, sun starts to kind of radiate through there at a kind of an enhanced level. So it warms up our spot a little bit more than maybe the early morning or deep into the evening. So I'd say we keep it kind of low 70s. You know, depends oh, a little bit. Hot. I run hotter than my wife, no doubt. Um, so I'll I'll go ahead and dip the temperature down even more. More frequently than she does. So I don't want her, you know, especially the, the toes and the the fingers, the hands start to get a little chilly. But I, I like it at least kind of low 70s, if not lower, just as low as she'll kind of let me get it. Now, now how, how do y'all normally do I'm it? I'm surprised home? by that.
3: 70, if you're, if you got the AC on and you're above 70, I don't know. That's not
4: the AC anymore. Here's the thing though, man, like in a, in a condo and our building's pretty good about it. We still, you know, we do the high rise condo thing. We're surrounded by other units who got their AC cranked up too. And then you got the hallways, kind of the surrounding common areas, so that's one good thing. We're, you know, I don't know that how much longer we're gonna be doing this condo life, but one <laughs> advantage to it, just from like a utilities perspective, you get the, even in the summertime your AC bills a little bit lower, in the wintertime okay. your heat bills a little bit lower because kind of everybody collectively is keeping the building at a reasonable temperature. That, that's what we've kind of found out over the years.
3: Well, shout out to everybody that has their AC below seventy. You're rolling with me right now. <laughs>
4: Um, Aunt, <laughs> now, do, are you and the wife kind of evenly yoked in that manner Y'all like it? Y'all both like it? Kind of below seventy? Like does it the wife cold. get a little chilled out. Nah, we like it cold in our house. Okay, we like oh, okay. We're
3: we're a, we're a sweater and, and blanket crew. So this is ah. a hot White House. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the only thing I could think of to start the show off, and I feel like because I have some questions for you about it, mm-hmm. is the thirtieth anniversary broadcast that's happening tomorrow at Real Time Sports. Yeah,
4: man, are you gonna make your way up there? I'm, I'm planning on getting out there. I got my, my okay. Series XM show in the morning. Get done with that at, a, at around 10 o'clock, as you know. Grab a little breakfast, and I'm planning on heading out to, to Real Time Sports tomorrow just to check out the festivities at some point during the day. I don't know exactly what time I'm planning on being out there yet. I don't know if you got a you know, specific appointment. You're planning on being there around a certain time or anything, but I am going to, you know, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., Nothing but space and opportunity out there. Folks are going to be cranked up and excited about it, I'm sure. Right. So I'm definitely planning on going out there and pressing the flesh for some brief period of time. What's your plan with it? Well, you know me. I'm I'm the 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 little bitch
3: of the station right now because I'm brand new. I'm the newest mm. guy here. So I'm actually going to be working at, ah, like here right. at the station right? doing okay. stuff. So that's cool. And then beforehand, I, I just know me, and I know if I end up at Real Time Sports at any point before my shift starts, I'm going to get trashed. So it's just in my best interest to see as far away. I mean, as even possible without Corey,
4: without Wooten being out there, you still gonna get it in.
3: Do they got beer there? <laughs> and I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting trash. I'm gonna be do. the guy being like, shots. That, that's me. That, that's who I am at the bar. If you come hang out with me, like we can have a drink. But I'm always like, is it? Is, is anybody want some a shot right now? Anybody uh, feeling a shot? I'm I'm the peer right. pressure guy. I wanted to ask you, and how long? How long have you
4: been working here at, at the Score? So my first. So kind of the first time that I really made a full-fledged appearance, what kind of got me on – our boss man, Mitch Rosen, what kind of got me on his radar, I was on when Lawrence was still doing Evenings. Okay. I was on with Lawrence one night and just did a full hour just chopping it up with Lawrence about a bunch of different stuff. This is when uh, Lawrence was at – he was actually, he was doing digital television over there. Sports, at, yeah. Exactly, over at the old Harpo Studios doing that. I was doing a bunch of stuff for them over there also. And so Loho and I actually initially crossed paths mm-hmm. there. And then just in the, in the time since then, he ended up eventually kind of having me on his show. Did like an hour just with him kind of, you know, doing one of his getting to know you type interviews that he's become sure. really well known for over the years. Mitch heard me on there. Then I did some stuff with Dan and Jason Uh, when they were doing afternoons together, Bernstein and Goff, did a couple of things with them, and then just kind of got in the rotation from there. So that had to be, oh, man, you're testing my memory. Maybe five years ago, I want to say, something like that. You know, so kind of just been – been a little, little deeper in the rotation basically kind of, you know, every year since then. Uh, let me check. I'm going to check, uh, like, some old, some old mentions or check my – I, I, I want to say five years, though. Four or okay. five years, something like don't that. Don't go I'm too far back in
3: the Twitter mentions because then you might find something you don't really want to find back there. No, then that's true. have got to delete some stuff. That's true.
4: You don't know, end up like Josh Allen or something <laughs> like that. I'm going to try to make sure we're not doing that too crazy back then.
3: I saw the, um, the rundown for what's happening tomorrow. Looks pretty cool, man. Who they have yeah. lined up, all the guests they have, but the probably the the number one thing I'm looking forward to, I'll, and you guys that are driving around right now, you got to make sure you're tuned in. Five o'clock, they're just having like a host roundtable, so all the hosts are just going to be talking together, shooting the stuff, which is you know it's like the ultimate transition, mm-hmm. but just with ten guys probably instead of <laughs> you know three or four. So I'm looking at that. I, I'm feeling like that's going to be pretty cool. Right. I just think when I think about the score, you know, obviously. You know, and you and I, we, we grew up here, so we've always listened to the score. Exactly. <laughs> like 30 years. I mean, we just kind of is what, what that is. And it's your go-to for information because you know the people that are talking. First of all, they're just extremely knowledgeable. That's that's one thing I always think about when I listen to the score. I'm like, gosh, these guys know so Not me. These guys know so <laughs> much about, you know, sports, the ins and outs. And, you know, it's just because they've been doing it so long, so they become these almanacs. And so, mm. you know, a lot of times they teach you in radio, even at B96, it's like, when a story breaks, let's say, you know, a Cubs, Sox, Bulls, Bear story, when it breaks, you can go anywhere to get the information, right? Mm-hmm. The basic information. You can go read an article. You can go do that yourself. But ultimately, what you want to do is hear from your favorite personality, right? You want to hear from the guy, oh, damn, Tim Anderson has some drama. I cannot wait to hear blah, 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 Lawrence Holmes talk about this because I know his angle. His... And that's what's cool about the score it's a unique angle from guys that are actually here from chicago that are passionate about these teams and that's what's really uh, been at the forefront of this of the, of the legacy that's been built for the score station what what are do you have any like i don't want to say memories right but mm. i mean you know when you think about the score even prior to working here you know what what was your take on on the station as a whole
4: One of the things I've I've been thinking about a little bit, actually, in recent days, just in kind of, you know, mentally leading up to the 30th anniversary, I called into the station just as a caller one time Mm. years ago. I was I'm trying to, I think I was kind of late in my college career, but, you know, me and at the time, you know, girlfriend before she became the fiance and then eventually the wife, but we were, I was road tripping somewhere to go meet up with her. From, from A to B, and as I'm driving by, and, and fortunately for me, my, the early portions of my football career between college at Iowa and then being in Detroit and Green Bay and Indianapolis, I was in the Midwest, and a lot of times as I drive from one spot to the next, I could still catch the score oh, driving yeah. around because the signal strength has been so strong over the years. So I'd be in a different state listening to the score, and I was listening to, I think it was the the Monsters of the Midday. I, I would listen to Jigs and Mike North. As I drive around sometimes and I just as I was rolling and this is kinda you know, before you you had a lot of the a lot of the kind of cell phone sensibilities about sure. things and, and earpieces and Bluetooth and everything else. It's kinda early. For me it was early in cell phone days. Kinda so you, early two thousand. Pull, you
3: pulled over and stuck a quarter in the oh, machine. No. So oh no. Okay. Oh no, <laughs> not at all. Not
4: at all. I got the phone up to my ear. I saw somebody driving. So Some dude behind me had his phone up to his ear like three, four days ago, sometime like Leading into the week, I was like, man, I haven't seen that. It's kind of like seeing a cigarette somewhere. <laughs> oh, people still smoke. I forgot about that. I looked in the rearview mirror. Some guy had his cell phone up to his ear while he was driving. Like, wait a minute. People still do that? Right. He doesn't have an earpiece, a Bluetooth, nothing? So, you know, let's take it back like a good 20 years or something like that. And rolling along, and I decided, you know what? I listen to, to Dan Jiggits all the time. Let me go ahead and hit Jigs up. Let me see if I can go ahead and get on the air real quick with these guys. And what struck me, so I call up on the phone and I, it might have, it might have been Lawrence producing the show or something. I don't know who was producing at the time, but the dude answered the phone, and I'm thinking I'm just about to get put. I've never called a radio sh- before, yeah. you know, never called a radio show. So I, I call up, and I'm thinking I'm gonna just get right on the phone with like Dan Jiggins or Mike North or something, and give him my whatever my hot take was. Some rando answers the phone, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just calling the show, man. Let me, let me holler Jigs real quick. It's like, so uh, what do you, what, what do you want to talk about? What are you gonna say? I go, you know, I mean, I'm just, what are talking about today. Oh, you know, right. something with this Bears quarterback, you know, just let them know what's up. Okay, uh, let, let me put you on hold. But what I didn't realize was that, you know, I didn't know how the process worked. Sure. and folks out there There's who called don't. the station yeah. before listening. You know, you get like a call screener, the producer, one of the producers for the show. They kind of yeah. screen the call, get a sense for what you want to talk about. You know, maybe how good a caller you have the potential to be. So I didn't know I was basically auditioning to get on the air <laughs> with whoever that was. Well, it was probably Lawrence. Whatever, Lawrence answered the phone. I'm going to just blame right. Lawrence for it. So Loho answered the phone. I didn't know I was supposed to be like auditioning for him. Hey, what's to get up, buddy? On the I, love, I love, I love this guy. And yeah, exactly. You're supposed to give a little energy, kind of give your information, whatever you're trying to talk about. I just kind of gave him a few words. I was like, all right. So what's up? Put me through. And he put me on hold for probably a good five minutes, and then eventually just got back on the line. It was kind of late in the show when I called, and then basically just kind of ushered me off the line uh, and kind of hung up on me. It's like, oh, broke your man, heart, really. That's how this goes. I had no idea. That was the process, man. So that I've actually I thought about that just a couple of days ago. The first time I ever actually you know interacted with sure. the station was me calling trying to get on the air with, with Jigs, and it it didn't happen. Whoever that that's was, Again, I'm gonna blame Lawrence. Yeah, probably just Go ushered ahead. me you off the care. line because I wasn't good
3: enough to get through the call screening. You got that is a that's a that's a key right there. So if you're driving in your car and you ever call up the score, just you know have a little energy in you. They'll make sure they put you through. I used mm-hmm. to screen phones for quite some time like the morning shows at B96 I used to do that yeah and I would I would not even give them an opportunity to say their name I'll be like, I was so rude. I didn't care. Cause I was just like, you had a bunch of idiots calling in and you're just, you got to find that one that's good. And so you're just like, you're like, B96. So what do you think about that? And they're like, what? And i am be like, click. <laughs> if you didn't say what you're supposed to say, I just get you off there. My, my first time on the score, it was funny because, you know, doing the morning show at B96, uh, I used to be on NBC Sports a lot with uh, David Hall. And him and I did a bunch of shows together, and then Mully and Hall they they did their five of five. That was like their that's their thing. Right, they did yeah, the six uh-huh. and six, and so uh, I, I somebody like a couple times they were just like, Yo, Gabe, we need we need you to come in and be an, the extra voice. You know, like somebody wasn't mm-hmm. there yet or something hadn't uh-huh. happened, and so it was like in a pinch that they needed me to make make the way into the studio. So then I was like, This is pretty cool, <laughs> Just ship the crap and just be in here. So that yep, that happened probably right. like two or three times, and. That, and then I always thought it was badass that I was like, you know, here at the score and then I'd walk down the hall and just do the morning show. And I was like, yeah, B96, exactly. you just heard me on the score. That's what it was.
0: <laughs> I, did that, I did that. I did that
3: Sunday. Ant. I did that Sunday. Did I, I filled in for Speegs and I did hit and run from nine to 12. And okay. then I did 12 to five at B96. So that, that was pretty uh-huh. cool. You know, I ain't, yeah, ain't too many I people doing that. So that's pretty cool. Well, either way, the 30th anniversary is tomorrow. You're going to see the past, present, and maybe the future, if I show up of the of six seven score at real time sports, <laughs> eleven twenty West Devon and Elk Grove Village, they're gonna be there starting at six o'clock. Mully and Hall kicking the whole thing off, and then they go all the way till six p.m. So whether you're stopping by before work, if you're stopping by at lunch, after work, whatever that might be, I know the guys are gonna be kicking it late. Make sure you stop by if this station is near and dear to your heart. If 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 the personalities that you've been listening to for years or someone that you want to meet, this is the place to do it. Everyone's really looking forward to it, extremely excited. There's going to be a ton of people there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, real-time sports. Make sure you go ahead and check that out And Elk Grove Village.
4: And I've said this to – I've said it to to Bernstein before, kind of actually in that, that period of time I was talking about a few minutes ago just as I was really starting to get into the rotation here at the station, and he and golf were together, and I, I said it to Dan on the air even during that stretch, just kind of what really got me passionate about just being a fan of, of listening to sports talk stations, what was him and Terry and just that Boers and Bernstein combo being together and the combination that they had of just like in intelligent and opinionated and hilarious and the joy that they had in talking about the, the storylines in this city, the storylines around the country, and the the way that they could kind of combine and just weave in and out of just having – a blast and cracking each other up and being you know just wordsmiths and and highly informed on everything that to me was just kind of what i based as i traveled around the country and playing with different teams living in different cities and you know for folks who don't know who like haven't lived a bunch of other places sports talk isn't to the same, I'll call it the same standard mm. in other cities as it is in Chicago. Like, obviously, New York, they were kind of one, you know, maybe the initial standard bearer or whatever. So you got good sports talk in New York, great sports talk in Boston, you know, certain spots where they do it at a high level. But a lot of spots are kind of different. So, you know, I lived, I was in Atlanta for a while and I'm with the Falcons. and you know, I was in Pittsburgh for a while, Detroit for a while. Every city, every region, Nashville, you know, Nashville's like, they're really, really nice to the callers in Nashville. <laughs> right. They'll let the callers stay on the line for 10, 15 minutes, take up a full segment. It's a different vibe to sports talk depending on what region of the country you're in. But for me, that Boers and Bernstein combo, that was what really just got me into just kind of the, you know, kind of nerding out on a variety of shows at, at the score and everything. But, but Dan and Terry – being together and just the vibe that they had together on the air. And obviously it's one of the you know historic combinations in, in this city's history and here at the station and all that. But that for me was what I based as, as I moved around in different spots while I was still playing the game and living in different cities. That was the standard I based all other sports talk around the country on and the, there was nowhere else that lived up to it, you know, being honest, with you, that was one of the things that excited me just in coming back to the town. I was like, all right, I get the score again. You know, I'm back in the region. <laughs> you know, we went from, right, from right. Atlanta to Nashville, and I started coaching in Huntsville, and that was a little too far away. Score signal didn't get all the way down there to the south, but being back here in the region, especially coming back to the city, I could listen to the score. I got my Dan and Terry fix again, and, and that's, um, that's something that for me is, is the show that I've based you know, fandom and then kind of transitioning into this capacity, working in the host role and everything else, that's what I've based, what I think great sports talk radio should sound like when, when you're paired with a partner. Was, was, there, was there any one show, like the station as a whole, obviously we both grew up fans of, but was there any one show that just kind of stood out to you in that way? You know, I wouldn't say a
3: show, but definitely the personalities. And I think uh-huh. that's what's, what's been really cool, whether it's Loho, Dan Bernstein, Jason Goff, I mean, people that I just really identify mm. with, and 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 feel as though they are the the authority on certain things, and so right. and so those are the people that I always lean towards to do that. And I, just Chicago as a whole, I mean, when it comes to that kind of stuff, like, I think you're right. They're just a cut above. Mm. Maybe we're just bi- or maybe I'm just biased because I'm from here, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. But but like you said, I mean, those are the storylines uh, that were being dominated here, you know, in the Chicagoland area. Another storyline, that's been dominating uh, Chicago headlines is Wilson Contreras. And where he'll be playing following the trade deadline. Got a lot of crap because I talked to Noah Schultz's pitching coach yesterday. And then people were mad that I wasn't talking Cubs. So I want to get him in early today. And to answer that question, we're going to talk to Andy Martinez from Marquee Sports. Did a phenomenal article on that very topic. So he'll give us his answer to that question on the other side of this. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. Nothing wrong with little Erica Badu. Hey. Ant's really singing in the background. But don't, don't start, Ant. Cause I know you are though. No, that's that. Get in and now. Get in and now. And we're getting to know what the hell is happening with Wilson Contreras a little bit better. Sending it, putting out mixed signals for us. It's like you're you know the it's like an end of a relationship, you know the breakup is happening, a mutual one. But then they're like, hey, but you know what? I always love you. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, do you love me or are you always love me? I'm not sure which one it is. And then you start getting confused. And then they leave and you're like, damn, did I do everything to keep this relationship afloat? Listen to what he said about his playing time in Chicago.
5: Just
2: start thinking deeply. Like, uh, I can get emotional, but I don't, f- to be honest, I don't feel like this is, is going to be my, my last time with the Cubs uniform. Uh, I don't know why. I haven't had talk with the team. I haven't had anything, but it's just, it's just a feeling that I have that this is not going to be my, my last one with the Cubs.
3: So you're telling me there's a chance. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. I hear don't do not do an Eddie O check and, and, and think you have an agreement and then all of a sudden <laughs> it falls apart at the last minute and the guy is somewhere else. Let's not have that happen with Wilson Contreras. But to, to answer that very question, if or excuse me, where he'll be playing following the trade deadline from – the marquee sports network we got andy martinez joining the show andy what's up man
6: what's up man hey, hey really quickly too i want to mention uh i was listening to you guys uh as an 11 year old i called into the score and and faked a deep voice uh as a as a as a caller and uh and i remember i got put on hold and i got so scared i hung up
5: so
6: that's my uh that's my 67 the score caller
4: so know, maybe, maybe you've been discovered
6: yeah. Oh, they know I'm a little kid.
4: They put me on hold. <laughs> Somebody's going to get me. They're going to cut my phone. Yeah.
3: Well, maybe you want to put your D voice on for this segment,
6: too.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> All
6: right.
3: So, you wrote a phenomenal article today about that very statement that we just heard from Wilson Contreras. What, give me a percentage before we begin. Percentage that he actually, in fact, sticks around and stays the Chicago Cup.
6: Uh I mean, after the trade deadline, um, you know, it, 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 I, won't, I wouldn't say uh, 0%, but... It's very very slim for sure um just given you know what the Cubs have done with their moves you know really going back to you darvish um at, at the end of the 2020 season um but it, it, you know I I, I I don't like to throw this analogy around too often because it, it was you know very unique with the role of the Chapman trade that the Cubs made and the, role of the Chapman you know obviously going back to the, to the Yankees after after 2016. Is that a possibility for Wilson Contreras? Maybe, but, um, you know, it, it's it's not a guarantee, right? I'm, I'm not going to go out here and say, oh, yep, yep, you know, he gets traded and then he'll come right back after after the end of the season.
4: And with that in mind, the, the storyline that we've seen play out throughout the year, and I've told Gabe this a couple of different times, I've been touched by watching Wilson Contreras' reaction to the, I guess I'll call it the mortality of his Cubs career. You know, if this is the end, just everything – that he's been through with this franchise from the minor league level up through the system, and now at the major league level, we've been able to see it play out how much it means to him, and he's been very public, open, forthright about that verbally and just in his his outward emotions. That being said, how do you take the comment that that Tyler Butteball just played a moment ago before we brought you on here, Andy? Do you take that as just positioning himself to – to have options open in negotiations, or do you take that as, as a guy who's truly hoping he'll stay here in Chicago?
6: I think it's a little bit of both for sure, right? Like, you, you never want to close your door on, on, on a team, especially a big market team uh, in, in terms of returning. But at the same time, too, like, we, it's easy to forget. Like, he's been here almost half of his life, right, as a Chicago Cub, whether it's it's as a minor leaguer or as a, or as a big leaguer. That's, that's uh, easy to gloss over when you're – When you just think of it as you know his current situation, right? Like he was a 17-year-old, 16-year-old teenager, really, as uh, as a as a minor leaguer coming up in the in the in the Cubs system and going through, you know, Boise, Idaho, blank for the Cubs system, Daytona, Florida, um, the Tennessee Smokies, the Kane County Cougars, right? Like he came up through this whole system as a Chicago Cub, and you know that's that's kind of unique. Um, where, you know, as, you know, as a Venezuelan, like you, you come up as a 16, as a teenager, 16, 17 year old, you're playing, you know, through the whole ranks. Whereas, you know, when you get drafted as, a, as an American player or a Puerto Rican player, maybe you're, you're 18, 19 years old and, and, you know, you're in the minor leagues for a couple of seasons and then you get to the big leagues and then you, you reach free agency a little quicker. It, it's a little bit different in Wilson Contreras' case where he spent so much time in the Cubs system.
3: Yeah, and you know what, Andy? Let's talk about that for a second. You know the fact that he is Venezuelan, and when you're thinking about the Latino culture as a whole, you know you look at Jose Abreu, guys like uh, Jose Ramirez on the Guardians. These people, you know, they they appreciate their opportunities, and and they they do appreciate family, right? We you heard Wilson mention that a lot. Where's my family going to be happy at? Where are the fans going to support me? These are things that I feel like are, are, are you know synonymous with the, with Latino culture. Do you feel like that has something to do with him being here? Just you know, the fact that they're, you know, at all, you know, the Cubs taking care of him, but at the same time, you know, him being grateful for the opportunities that they've given him.
6: Yeah. That's one thing he mentioned yesterday at the media sessions in LA, right. Where he was like, you know, the, the Cubs have, they were the first team to scout me. And then they signed me as a professional and, you know, they believed in me from, from day one where, you know, they, he came up through the system and we saw, you mentioned Jose Ramirez, is the perfect example, right. Where he kind of, you know, I, I hate to say you know, a 1000000 deal is a pay cut, right? But but he <laughs> took that the quote unquote pay cut to, to stay in Cleveland because of of the the belief he had in the organization and, and what what it meant to him. Um, that that is something that is very realistic in Wilson Contreras' case where, you know, he he mentioned it, he said, you know, I I, I want to win. Everyone wants to win. You know, every the the whole goal when you're when you're a professional athlete, you want to win. You want to be a winner. You want to win championships. You want to win rings. But at the same time, he wants to be happy, right? There's something to you know being happy and being content at at a certain location, and and that's kind of what he's felt in Chicago. Um, you know, he's he's mentioned in the past where you know he's had that satisfaction of helping someone like a Christopher Morrell you know, as he's coming up through the big leagues or or some of these younger guys that are coming up through the Cubs system, you know, being a a de facto mentor for them.
4: Andy Martinez here with us on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score joining us on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find Andy on Twitter at eleven. What do you think uh, the the value of this thirty year old catcher who has emerged in recent seasons as one of, if not the best catchers, certainly in the National League, maybe in all of baseball, at this point in his career? You add the DH into the mix here. What do you think his value on the open market is, and could it be within the financial parameters the Cubs are trying to operate in?
6: Yeah, I think it could definitely be in the in the financial parameters that the Cubs are operating in. Right? Where 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 you know they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of. In terms of uh you know spend on their on their roster, but you know they can they've shown in the past that they can go up to to the upper echelons of, uh, of what teams are spending. so yeah is it possible for sure but um it'll be kind of interesting to see what uh it, you know with the trade deadline coming up, what team's willing to to pay for him uh, like you mentioned, i mean he's clearly shown he's the nL starter at, at at catcher. he currently might be the best you know when you look at his numbers the the best catcher. Offensively in baseball and, and you know, there's something to that where you know we, You look at what other teams have done in the past where there's someone like Martin Maldonado Who was a defensive first catcher who wasn't producing much? Uh, in Houston offensively, but you know, they valued his defense when you have someone who's a, a pretty good defensive catcher and can also hit the ball, you know like a DH That's really really valuable and that's kind of what the Cubs have have done this year You know, last year's numbers were down given that, you know, there was a revolving door at backup catcher. This year, you know, Jan Gomes has been phenomenal as a backup catcher. P.J. Higgins has been pretty solid at backup catcher. We're seeing what a fully rusted, fully healthy uh, Wilson Contreras can do for for the Chicago Cubs and for, for anything for that matter.
3: Andy, let me ask you your thoughts on Rossi and his position right now and how he feels about the movement that is inevitable, that is definitely going to be taking place as the trade deadline approaches. Do you feel like he's the kind of guy that's like, damn, man, you guys keep plucking talent from me. How, like, how do you expect me to do my job? Or do you feel like he enjoys working with the younger guys and trying to create a new generation of Cub talent?
6: I think there's a little bit of the both, right, where, where you know, I mean, I, like, I, I try to put myself in, in his shoes where, like, I want to win. I want to go 162-0. and 0. Is that possible? Of course not, right? Uh, and you treat every game like it's winnable, and he's done that where, you know, he goes to his bullpen in certain situations or he pinch hits a guy in the fifth inning as opposed to, you know, letting a guy play the next couple of innings defensively, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's it's That is kind of what Rossi has shown he's going to be, but he's also shown really well, whether it's, you know, like in the Los Angeles Dodgers series where, the ninth inning, you bring in Nelson Velasquez, a rookie, in a, in a two-run ball game, and, and you ha- he's the tying run, and you bring him on to, to try and win the game. You know that's experience that Nelson Velasquez, you know, obviously didn't come through for them, but that's an experience that Nelson Velasquez now has for the next time he's in that situation, right, where they can't go to the bench and it's all right. We got to rely on Nelson Velasquez. Now he's learned that situation, and that's kind of that, those are that's what one thing that I've been very. You know, kind of having an eager eye, looking at, at, at how Ross is doing as a manager, and that's one thing that to me has been really almost eye opening, right? Where he trusts his his rookies who have you know less than a hundred plate appearances or whatever it is uh, in, in those big situations.
4: What have you made of the enhanced aggression that Rossi's begun managing with here in recent weeks?
6: You know, it, it's it's funny you you mentioned that right where. We're, you know, to me, it's. I look at someone like David Robertson, right? Where in the, in the Mets series, in the first game of the doubleheader, where it would have been easy to say, hey, you know, let's throw him for one inning because we have a second game today and we have another game Sunday and, and let's conserve him. And, and, you know, one of the better relievers in baseball, the way he's pitching, like, let's try and save him. For him to go out two innings, like, you know, that's, that's one thing where maybe you're not looking at, at 2022 to see how he's managing the bullpen, but you're looking at 2023 and, and beyond. And that's one thing that you know I think has been has been really really crucial and and really really key in seeing how he's he's managing those situations. And uh, you know I think that was the right situation and keeping someone like David Robertson in for a two inning um, you know two inning appearance in a game one of a doubleheader like that.
3: Yeah, you love the you love the aggression because you you got to score some runs and you're looking at the second half of the season. You know it's impressive that. The Cubs have eleven players with an OBP over three hundred, and the Cubs are ninth in the league in that stat. But when it comes to RBIs, they're twenty second. Right, can't get the guys across the plate, but they're still going to be competing. We know that playing up to a high level. Who who are some guys you feel like can get those runs in and, and, and turn those 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 guys that are getting on base into into runs? Who who do you think are some of those guys in the second half of the season?
6: I think the big ones are are some of these guys that are coming off the injured list, right? But Frank Frank uh say Suzuki, right? Like the, those guys who have you know missed some part of the season, whether it be for injury or whatever. Like say Suzuki, you know, it, had he come up in 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 the, the game one of the doubleheader on Saturday, where where we have uh, where you have three uh, a runner on third base and a three one count, and you know, no, it's a tie game in the bottom of the tenth. Like you, you expect us to win that game nine times out of ten for the Cubs. Unfortunately, you know, that was that was a one time out of ten where you don't win. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you hope that you have that RBI production, right? It's really easy. I get caught up into it a lot, where it's like, well, what's his weighted runs created plus? What's his OPS plus? What's his what's his WAR? Like, it's easy to forget about that, but like, there is some value in RBI, right? Like you mentioned RBI, like there there's definitely some 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 value in RBI that it's totally easy to gloss over. And and for me, for the like, it's totally easy to be like, well, like I don't care about that guy's RBI, but like there is something to that, right? Where what, what can he do in, in that, you know, runner on third, no odd situation? Can he, you know, put the ball the other way to score the run, even if it comes at the expense of a ground as opposed to, you know, hitting a fly ball to, to right field?
4: I find myself wondering with the with the inexperienced talent, because I think sometimes we'll make the mistake of just calling all inexperienced players young. But not everybody who hasn't been at the major league level very long, they're not all young, especially on this roster right now. But you do have some inexperience that's been showing up at times. And I'm wondering how you view the guys with the potential to be a part of the winning future. At whatever point the Cubs get back to really trying to compete at a championship level, who are some of the guys that you think are playing themselves into that conversation? And, and is age even a factor in that? Because it does seem like, you know, if you 28, 29 years old, and it might be a couple of years before the Cubs are back in the thick of things, then they're probably being evaluated differently than someone who's in that early mid twenties.
6: Right. I, the, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because the, the, my mind immediately goes to the bullpen, right? It, it's, you know, it's easy to kind of gloss over the bullpen where it's like, all right, you get that one dude to, to knock down 40, 50 saves a season. Like, you're, you're set. But it's, you know, it's who can get me that the, the, that one out in the fifth inning? Who can get me those three outs in the seventh inning? Those Like, that's really, really crucial. And it's easy to forget when you look at guys like, like a Michael Givens or a Chris Martin. Like, those guys are so crucial or so imperative to a bullpen, whether it's for this year, whether it's for two years down the road, because they're teaching some of these young guys these situations, like, hey, like, all right, this guy's pitch count's getting high off. Like, let's start getting loose in the fourth inning, even though, you know, you might be a seventh inning guy, like let's start getting loose because, you know, it might be a one run ball game and you might need to get an out to keep the, keep the game at one run. Like those, those veterans that can teach you the ways, that can teach some of these young guys, the ways of, you know, all right, this is how you operate as a bullpen arm. This is how you operate as a reliever. That's super crucial. And, and you know, that's one thing I look at as like someone like a, a, a Michael Gibbons, like, He's one of the guys that gets thrown at as like, all right, this guy's, you know, he's definitely gonna get traded here in a couple of weeks because, you know, he's a veteran guy who's pitching well and, and you know, he's he he can help a contending team. But at the same time, like, there's there's, you know, I'm not saying like he's gonna stay, but like that that's something where you can say, you know, he he's, you know, you could definitely keep him because he could provide value to some of these younger guys that are coming up. Again, I'm not trying to say like he's gonna stay or he's gonna get traded one way or the other. But there's some value in that where he's teaching, you know, some of these younger guys. I remember some of the young guys last year mentioning Adam Morgan in the second half of the season after the trade deadline, who was, you know, he was a valuable asset to the bullpen as a veteran lefty. You know, he wasn't, you know, a flash, super flashy guy or, or throwing a bunch of numbers, but he was he was super valuable to the Gubs bullpen.
3: It's going to be an interesting second half, Andy. I'll tell you that. Andy Martinez from Marquis Sports Network. Gompat, thanks for jumping on. As always, I appreciate you.
6: Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Of
3: course. Hey, Andy. This, joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. I'm Gabriel, Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. It's it's going to be an interesting second half, Ant, because, I mean, it's it's going to be like watching the Bears. You know, you got up and down, ups and downs, but mm-hmm. you want to take that ride because you want to see – what you have for the future. So it's gonna be interesting to do just that. Uh speaking of the future, you know, or the past, I should say, Ant had some 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 highlights that he wants to go over from the home run derby. These are your favorite ever, huh?
4: Yeah, man, the whole, just the kind of the all-star festivities in general. Yeah, Favorite moment for me from the Home Run Derby, just watching it in the past. There's been some really cool ones, and it's one that stands out to me especially. And then also the game itself, the all-star games. has been through its kind of various versions over the years, but one moment to me that just kind of made you know, what was the best of the best, and, and they're kind of competing at the highest of levels. and one particular moment that stands out to me from that as well.
3: We'll talk about that and take your Um, Thoughts on the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game as well. We'll do it after the break. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 to Score.
2: He keeps going. He's down on the knee. He's got it. Bat is flipped sky high. And Juan Soto is your 2022 Home Run Derby champion.
3: If I could hit a home run, I'd do a bat flip every single time.
4: If... I heard you can get it in, man, out there on the baseball diamond. Maybe softball. I'm a Mark, diamond, but somewhere
3: out there. And I'm I'm a Mark Grace type. Okay, I'm a I'm okay. a single and double you to death and bat three fifty. Right. Not in softball. You. softball, I'm a bat like seven hundred. But <laughs> in regular baseball, I'm a bat three fifty <laughs> and hit you with the singles and doubles. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. You're Mark Grace. He's Anthony Herron. <laughs> I don't know how you are as a baseball player, so I can't. I don't have a comp right now.
4: Oh, I'm um. Let me think. I'm not like a full-on Mark McGuire, but oh, maybe geez. like a uh, you know. Are you saying you... I, I'm, I'm not? I'm not the big hurt. I, I wouldn't hit for that level of average. Like Frank Thomas was a true hitter, just happened to be one of the most powerful bats ever. Um, so I, I wouldn't go Frank. Are you? Thomas. Are you any maybe. good at baseball? Or are you just talking about how how strong how you Adam are? Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. Yeah, maybe that man. I'm, okay. I'm a strikeout. You're some, a lefty. I made contact. Um, you know what? I could have been. I probably should have been. <laughs> okay. like my pops was left-handed, and okay. for whatever reason, and I when I hoop, I when I grew up, I was shooting left-handed, and then I decided, like right before high school, let me shoot, switch and start shooting right-handed. Okay. Instead, but throughout a lot of youth basketball, I was shooting left-handed, so I'm pretty sure that I could have batted left-handed if I really wanted to, but I just didn't play enough baseball to really stick with that direction. Either way, well, clearly Soto was
3: playing a lot of baseball. Shout out to ESPN mm. for that clip. He did a phenomenal job taking home the the chain i love when bad bunny came out and gave him the uh, chain yeah. that to me was right. pretty dope i feel like he i think midway through these all the festivities he realized he was too big to be there because everyone <laughs> else was just like damn bad bunny's here the number one artist uh, in the world yeah right. uh, and then everybody and t- everybody's taking pictures and then obviously is, you know, dominated by latinos so everybody there is just like <laughs> oh my god it's bad bunny and he's just like Oh damn! I thought I was just doing the celebrity game. Like, I am a big celebrity. You forgot about that. Now, that was one of the, one of the memories from this game for myself. And you have some big ones from ones of years past.
4: Is that right? It is, man. The, starting with the home run derby, because kind of the the all star festivities overall, we kind of compare them from sport to sport. Whether like right now, we're in the midst of of the baseball all star festivities, having a couple of days in a row where there's literally it's the only portion of the sports calendar where there's no competitive sports happening for multiple nights in a row it's because you got the baseball all-star game preceded by the baseball home run derby the night before. And starting with the derby, man, I think back to a period in time where I was in college when the when the home run chase happened between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire back in 98. And so there in the, the 98 season, I was fairly young at the University of Iowa. And literally, man, we would turn it on in the in the weight room and in the locker room and just to see like whether Sammy was about to hit another one or Big Mac was about to hit another one. And it just kind of captivated a lot of the nation in a way that baseball hadn't in quite some time up to that point. Fast forward a couple of years later where Sosa was still, you know, one of the better power hitters in the game, but he had maybe taken a little bit of a step back from that MVP form. But in that 2000 season, the first half of the year, especially where he started a little bit slow. And a lot of times what you see happening with guys who are maybe true kind of pure hitters, they go to the all-star game, they got to switch their swing up, you know, do the home run derby thing, and then their swing is kind of messed up for a while after that. It had the opposite effect on Sammy Sosa and catapulted him to a huge finish to the season. Let's check out a moment there. I think I got Tyler's got a little something for the folks to hear. <laughs>
2: We're getting close to that million-dollar bonus out there. <laughs> a house, a million-dollar bonus, a quarter-million-dollar house. He's going to make some fans real happy. Isn't he? Oh, Carl Everett has his work cut out for him, boys.
6: <laughs> Yo, sir!
2: Stands up, gives him standing ovation. That ball actually stopped up there,
4: huh? <laughs> now, it'll be real, Gabe. I mean, obviously, we, we know at this point it's chemically enhanced. I, I'm not going to lie, though. I, I enjoyed it. E- even in retrospect, looking back to that, I still get chills thinking about that night, thinking about sitting there watching the nation cheering on a guy from the Chicago Cubs who had burst onto a level of stardom that wasn't there. Before that month of June in 1998 with the 20 home runs. And then from there, Sammy Sosa was known as one of the greatest home run hitters in the game. And then over the next few seasons became one of the greatest home run hitters in baseball history. But as far as the Derby goes, that night it was Junior. Like, he, King Riffey Jr. had won multiple Derbies in a row before that night. And Sammy just got hot in Atlanta. You know, people are coming up, toweling him off. He's sweaty. <laughs> Hitting him over 500 feet, man, like multiple 508-foot blasts. And I just remember just sitting there watching it enraptured at the power of Sammy Sosa and what he was showcasing that night with the entire stadium chanting, Sammy, Sammy. And everybody at home chant, Sammy, Sammy. From a home run derby perspective and just watching that moment, some really cool ones like, you know, Frank Thomas and Junior going at it a few years before. There's been a lot of cool stuff, but just thinking about that and, and and just at that point in my life that I was at too just from a fandom perspective and what Sammy was starting to mean to the game and to a lot of folks who you know were kind of just getting back into baseball that was a night from a derby perspective I'm definitely going to remember and I could
3: hit it 350 with a cork bat <laughs> I mean, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying with a cork bat. I mean, I, I, I can get close to 500, too, I think. So yeah, maybe some,
4: folks should have been chanting your name. Give yeah, me some, yeah. Chemicals, yeah, some yeah, yeah. chemicals.
3: Yeah, chemicals in this cork bat. I think I might have put up 32, like J-Rod <laughs> or something like that. That would have been phenomenal. Not too late. Not too late. He's Anthony Heron. I am Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We got you till 9 o'clock. And we're going to continue to talk some baseball. This time, we're going to the south side. It seemed like Tim Anderson... Got a little salty during a press conference. Hmm. And I want to know what Scott Merkin feels about that. Is it warranted or does he feel like, you know, should they move him over to second base? <laughs> like he was joking. Uh, we'll do that on the other side and talk to Scott Merkin, White Sox beat writer for MLB.com. Again, I'm Gabriel Mears. He's Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.